Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Bearded Things. I'm one of your bearded hosts. My name is Chris, and I'm here with my buddy, Tyler. Tyler, how are you, sir? I am doing well. That's good. Yeah, it's been a very busy week, but things are things are moving well. And um, when you folks hear this, it will be Tuesday, and I want to take a quick moment to... Wish a very happy and prosperous Ramadan Mubarak to all my Muslim brothers and sisters as we start the holy month of Ramadan. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I will not be partaking because I'm a heathen who loves lots of food. <laughs> yes. But to okay. everybody, yeah, everybody else who's, you know, uh, partaking of the festivities, rock on with your bad selves. That's awesome. And I uh, admire and respect that. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm very thankful that um, one of the few reasons to be thankful that we're in a pandemic because we're all wearing masks. And um, when you fast and for those that don't know, in Ramadan, you fast during the during the day from uh, sunrise to sunset. And so you don't eat or drink anything. And because of that, your mouth gets a little dry sometimes and you get a little bit of a bad breath. So I'm happy that I'll be wearing a mask for most of the day. So no one will smell my stinky breath yeah i'm sure your coworkers would be very glad about that as well <laughs> so yeah. uh anything else big and exciting happening with you uh not really Same. um yeah just kind of chugging along here in the month of april which i feel like march went by like a snap of the fingers and now it's mid-april already which is nuts yeah, I, uh, I since last year, I've kind of lost like concepts <laughs> of time mm -hmm. and like my sleep schedule is all over the place. Um, I don't I don't know, man. Like, is it 7 p.m.? Is it 7 a.m.? <laughs> Who knows? these time, things? time is a construct made up by the government. It is, man. That's how they get you. <laughs> it's Bill Gates. Right. And then Soros. They're all getting you with time. This is all an illusion. That's how they get inside, man. It's all part of the simulation. <laughs> Speaking of simulations, what are you going to be covering this week? I am covering the Mothman. Ooh, fun. Yeah. What are you covering? I am covering the demon clown, John Wayne Gacy. Ooh, I hate clowns and I'm not a fan of John Wayne Gacy. So this is going to be a fantastic episode to listen to. He, you know, I will <laughs> say he was completely misunderstood and actually a really nice guy. Oh, I bet. So was Pennywise, I hear. <laughs> yeah, I'm also completely making that up. He was an awful, <laughs> vile human being. <laughs> What's a little murder between friends? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we start jumping into our stories, just another quick reminder. Uh, if you haven't already done so and you have an extra 45 seconds to spare, we would love it if you went and reviewed the podcast, gave it five stars, give a little blurb about how much you love us. And uh, it would really make a huge difference in our lives. So, yeah, just putting that out there. Yeah, please do. And also, while you're giving those four to five seconds of a quick blurb, take another 90 seconds or so. Shoot us an email. Send us a question that you want us to ask to each other when we do our end of season two season finale Q&A. Get to know the Beardsleys episode, video, whatever we're planning on doing. Yeah, and it's a little bit different than Banter with the Beardsleys. Yes. Banter with the Beardsleys, we'll talk about whatever the heck you want. But this one's personal, and it's a, you're, it's a chance for you to get to know us and uh, find out things. Find yeah. out, you know, anything. So, all right. I guess with all the business and happy fun stuff out of the way, it's time yeah. to get into our stories. All right. And uh, you went first last week, so I am up. Yes, sir. 
All right, like I said, I'm covering uh, serial killers, John Wayne Gacy. So let's pretend it's the 70s in Chicago. Your kid is having all of their friends over for a fun and exciting birthday party, and being the awesome parent that you are, you go all out. You got cake, that giant jug of generic punch you just add water to. <laughs> and hey, why not hire a clown? Great idea. So you call the Jolly Joker Club and order up one of those clowns for the big party. The big day finally rolls around, and as a person who doesn't have kids, I can only imagine what it's like. Kids running and screaming, sticky fingers touching everything, and since it's the 70s, ice cream melting in your shag carpeting. <laughs> but your kid is having a blast, which makes it all worth it. There's a knock at the door. You open it, and standing there is the large frame of Pogo, or sometimes Patches, the clown, his grease paint drawn into evil points on his eyes and mouth. He stands there in silence until you invite him in to play with the children. Unbeknownst to you, you've just welcomed a serial killer into your home. I guess technically not only welcome, but paid a serial killer to play with your child. Hmm. Welcome to the horrific, twisted story of John Wayne Gacy. A man so terrifying, they based the character of Twisty the Clown from American Horror Story on him. Very loosely. And trigger warning, what we're about to talk about contains sexual abuse of children and physical and mental abuse. As this is part of the true story, I feel it's really important to talk about. But feel free to jump ahead about 40 seconds or so. Like most serial killers, Gacy had a pretty tough childhood. His dad was an abusive drunk and would regularly lash out at his mom and siblings and he took the brunt of it. This began twisting his view of the world. At a young age, he was caught with another boy inappropriately touching a young girl. His father beat him mercilessly. As he got a little bit older, a family friend began regularly molesting him. Afraid of his father, he never said anything about it. When he was 18, Gacy ran away to Las Vegas for a few months, where he worked in a mortuary helping preparing dead bodies. After he returned to Illinois, Gacy met his first wife, Marilyn Myers, in 1964 before working at a shoe store. They got married and moved to Iowa, where Gacy began working for his father-in-law and joined the JCs, which was a local leadership training organization. He was a top recruiter at the organization, flying through the ranks to become vice president. By all accounts, he was the average hardworking neighbor involved in his community and local politics. His style was a little bit unconventional. He focused on recruiting young men into the organization with promises of dirty film viewings and wild parties. Eventually, his behavior caught up to him. When a 15-year-old son of a co-worker whose name I'm going to retract came forward and reported Gacy for forcing him to commit sexual acts with him. Gacy was convicted of sodomy in May of 1968 and sentenced to a 10-year prison sentence. He served 18 months. His wife filed for divorce and was granted full custody of their children. Gacy moved back to the Chicago area where he'd throw parties and would regularly hang out with his neighbors. He was kind of the cool guy on the block. He even started his own construction company called PDM Contractors. Everything seemed to be legit and just dandy until people started noticing he mostly hired teenage boys to help at his company. But he also volunteered at hospitals and performed parties as Pogo the Clown, and uh, it was a hobby he called relaxing for him. So people tended to look the other way because he was actually very warm and very nice. He got remarried in 1972 to Carol Hoff, who moved into his home along with her two daughters, that is, until she found wallets belonging to young men in his car and began yelling at Gacy about, quote, 
the smell of death coming from under the house. Note, that's generally not a good sign. She got the hell out of there and the couple divorced in 1976. So we're about to get into the murders, but this was surprisingly hard to make sense of. Not because of like missing information or anything like that. It's actually the opposite. There were so many murders, the timelines get blurred and there's no rhyme or reason. So let's dive in. The very first murder we know about was a 16-year-old boy named Timothy Jack McCoy. He lured him into his car late night from Chicago's Greyhound bus terminal with promises to drive him back to catch the bus in the morning. Gacy said he woke up early to find McCoy standing in his bedroom with a knife. A struggle ensued and Gacy stabbed McCoy. As McCoy lay dying, he saw an open carton of eggs and freshly sliced bacon in the kitchen. The table was set for two and McCoy had apparently walked into the bedroom to wake Gacy up carrying the knife he was using to slice the bacon. Gacy buried his body in a crawl space with a layer of concrete on top. According to a report from Esquire, on December 11th, 1978, 15-year-old Robert Peist went missing after he told his mom, who was waiting for him outside the drugstore he worked at, that he was briefly going to go talk to a contractor to discuss some higher-paying work opportunities. His mother would go on to say that that was actually the last time I saw him. When he was reported missing later that night, the police asked Gacy, the contractor Peist had spoken to, to come in for questioning. He was a no-show at the station. Police later learned that Gacy had taken Peist's body from his home and dumped it into the De Plains River after that phone call. Now, the police obtained a search warrant early the next morning, and when Gacy's home was searched, a receipt belonging to Robert Peist's co-worker from the drugstore was found, concluding that Peist had in fact been inside Gacy's home, and hoping to find him alive, police began to follow Gacy full-time. The tale went on for a while, and Gacy decided to have a little fun with it. If he had breakfast at a diner in town, he would walk over to the cops and invite them to eat. He'd regularly buy them coffee, and if he was headed somewhere specific, he would walk over to the cops and let them know exactly where he was going and give them the route so they wouldn't get lost on the way. According to an anonymous officer, quote, Gacy was arrogant. He could see the policeman sitting right in front of his house. He'd invite them in to use the restroom. Well, one officer was in Gacy's bathroom, by complete chance, the heater kicked on. He noticed the unmistakable smell of human decomposition coming up through the heating vent. Authorities quickly drafted a search warrant for the house, and during the canvas, they found a total of 29 bodies. 26 were hidden in a crawl space beneath the home, and three others were buried on other parts of the property. Hidden in the rafters of the crawl space, investigators located the jacket that Peist was wearing at the time of his disappearance. After forensics analyzed the remains found at the property, they were able to link Gacy to other murders by a familiar motif. Fabric stuffed down the victim's throats in the form of, quote, underwear, socks, rags, t-shirts, and pieces of random cloth. And here's a quote. The existence of those materials that was stuffed in the orifices in both the river bodies and the other bodies recovered from the home tied it absolutely to him, said Cook County Assistant District Attorney William Kunkel Jr., on December 21st, 1978, 36-year-old Gacy was arrested and ultimately charged with 33 counts of murder, including the killing of James Mazzara, whose body was found in the De Plains River just days later, and Peist, whose remains were found in an Illinois riverbank in 1979. Gacy would go on to confess to 33 murders. The problem was, as soon as he confessed, he would immediately change his story just minutes later. He was like a chameleon, one investigator said. As the evidence began stacking against him, he knew there was no way to beat this. 
At his trial, he tried to plead insanity, coming up with different people who may have been involved in the murder that didn't exist at all. In fact, they actually found a book at his house with um, how to plead insanity bookmarked, which didn't help his case. He ended up confessing to the murder of Peist. He said Peist was getting ready to leave the pharmacy when he came to his car for a job application. Gacy asked him to hop in his car to fill out the application and then told Peist he didn't actually have all the necessary paperwork, but only lived one block away. At the house, Gacy told Peist he entertained kids as a clown and showed Peist the magic trick, putting handcuffs on himself and then taking them off magically. Mm. When Peist was blown away by the trick, Gacy told him he'd show him how to do it. So he handcuffed the boy. But Peist struggled and couldn't get out of the cuffs. Quote, I reached into my pocket and said, the trick is to have the key. He told investigators, once I had him shackled, he was pretty much mine at that point. He did what he called the rope trick, strangling Peist by twisting a rope three times around his neck. Then he dumped Peist's body in the Des Plaines River. During the confession, Gacy showed no emotion. In fact, according to the court documents at the trial, one man who managed to escape Gacy's clutches, the man only identified as Jim, said Gacy pretended to be a cop when they met at a bar. Gacy and Jim struck up a conversation, and Jim was then invited to the killer's house to do drugs. Sounds like a good time. Mm -hmm. Jim said he was given street drugs and a batch of narcotics that he had never heard of before. The drugs actually knocked him out, and when he woke up, he said he saw Gacy sexually assaulting him. Mm. I tried to push him off, and I couldn't, Jim said. I told him I want to go back to my car, so he said, okay, well, I got to go to church anyway, so I'll give you a ride back. He gave me a ride back, gave me a handful of speed, and I got in my car, and I went home. Jim said he left as if nothing ever happened, admitting I got lucky he didn't kill me. And I'd like to say to Jim, yes, sir, you, you mm -hmm. got pretty lucky. All the murders took place in his house, nearly all between 3 and 6 in the morning. A neighbor went on record to say that now and then she'd heard screams coming from the house in the middle of the night, so she'd call the police. But whenever they knocked on Gacy's door, he told them that nothing was wrong and there was nothing the police could do. After Gacy was arrested, he said that he paid 150 boys for sex. Sometimes he only brought them to his house and took off his clothes and talked to them and gave them advice and drinks and something to eat. He killed the ones who raised their prices after striking an agreement. A few times, Gacy killed two boys in one night. Sometimes he kept a boy's corpse in his closet for a day before burying him. He poured acid on some of the corpses and lime on the others, then buried them in graves about a foot deep. He buried one of the boys in his yard and another beneath the floor of his garage. The bodies in the crawl space were buried so close together that when the police dug up the first one, they found the head of another at its feet. In some of the graves, the bodies were buried on top of each other. When no room was left in the crawl space, he thought for a while about keeping the corpses in his attic. The last four bodies he dropped at night off the bridge in the Des Plaines River about 75 miles south of Chicago. He thought one of the bodies might have landed on a barge and he would be busted, but nothing came of that. Gacy was sentenced to death by lethal injection. While he awaited his fate, he lived a bit like a twisted rock star. He'd received bags of fan mail, and since he had the time, he replied to every single one on his custom paper, complete with his own fancy letterhead. He actually began painting, and his paintings weren't exactly good, but they actually would go for thousands at auctions and hung in museums throughout America. Gacy never took full responsibility for his murders. In fact, he actually blamed the victims for getting in his car, 
or going into his house. Quote, if they would have gone their own way, they'd be alive right now. Well, I'd like to counter with if he didn't kill them, they would also be alive right now. He also blamed the media for turning him into a monster. I'd also like to counter with if he didn't kill everyone, they probably wouldn't label him a monster. 33 victims were attributed to Gacy, but at one point he told an investigator, 45 sounds like a good number. When asked where the other 12 bodies might be, Gacy responded with, no, that's your job. You got to find out. They never did. John Wayne Gacy may be the most gruesome serial killer in American history. Unfortunately, the true body count may never really be known. He was executed by lethal injection in 1994, but it malfunctioned and he wasn't pronounced dead for 18 minutes. He probably felt more pain than we had planned on, one investigator said, while another added, he had a much easier death than his victims, in my opinion. He got a much easier path than he deserved. John Wayne Gacy may be dead, but the heinousness of his crimes have lived on in American lore and true crime. This goes to show, never trust a clown. Damn straight. This has been the twisted story of John Wayne Gacy. That was awesome, man. I mean, terrifying, but it's one of those like sad tragic stories that I feel like just has to get told. Yeah. It's, it was so gruesome. And the, just the part that I thought was crazy was the list of murders was out of order, incomplete. And a lot of it, since they were young boys never made it to the public for obvious mm -hmm. reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but imagine the worst thing you could do to a body. And that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. That's nuts. Bananas. Yeah. And the fact that like, you know, I, and I know it's just, you know, the whatever psychosis or, you know, mental thing he had, but just blaming the people he killed, like, oh, well, if they wouldn't have, you know, come with me, they would have been alive right now. Like, that's so, that's such bullshit. Right. Yeah. It's Thank just, you. it's like a, I was watching a thing about that. And they were talking about when people do heinous things, they separate themselves from the crime. Yeah. They disassociate. Yeah. Yeah. And that's essentially what he's doing is his own brain. The part of his brain that's cognizant is like, no, there's no way. Exactly. Yeah. Nuts. <sighs> All right. Well, seems like a good time to take a quick commercial break, <laughs> settle ourselves, and we'll come back with some uh, banter with the pieces. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. And it's good to be back. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay. And now it's time to get into our segment called Banter with the Beardsleys. So, what is Banter with the Beardsleys? Banter with the Beardsleys is our fun, unscripted, off the cuff conversation banter, dare we say, where the two of us have a conversation. You know, sometimes we. We argue, we have a philosophical debate. We we just talk about something that you, the listener, has submitted or sent to us or something that we just come across in our day-to-day -day that seems interesting that we want to talk about on the episode. And I believe you have a submission for us this week. I do. That is absolutely accurate. Uh, it comes from Anonymous. So shout out to Anonymous. Thank you for submitting. Hi, and Anonymous. they ask us, if you could go to any creepy slash paranormal slash odd place on the planet, where would you go and why? Oh, wow. There's so many. Huh. Damn, that's hard. Yeah. Man. <laughs> so, like, where is the, the dream spot? Like, the one where you think you, you would have the most, like, profound experience? I honestly have, like, I have so many bouncing around in the head right now. The one that keeps, like, jumping out wanting to be said i'm just going to go with is the 
I don't even know what it's called. It's like the mystery spot or whatever in here in California in Santa Cruz where like gravity's all backwards and oh, whatever, yeah. like all the, I've like, been there. Yeah, I, it's the only thing that just keeps popping up. I haven't been there and like it just seems fun to like to be messed with. Um that or like Stonehenge. Those are the two like weird sort of cosmic gravitational things. Um interesting. I would I would probably <laughs> go I'm torn between two spots that I'm really interested in and I think something would happen and it would stay with me. I mean, maybe not like haunt me, but like the memory mm. of it, that the experience would stay with me. Mm. Um, I'm torn between that, uh, that forest clearing in um, Romania in Romania. Mm-hmm. So I'm torn between that place and the uh, Dietlov pass in Russia. Yeah. Where the the five hikers that that's getting its own episode very soon. Mm. Don't you worry, mm. none. <laughs> um, essentially, five experienced uh, snow hikers go for a hike to celebrate graduating. Uh, I think it was actually like s- snow hiking college or something. To that, it was like yeah. outdoor, like wilderness it was like their camping. last. Yeah, it was like a big hike thing. It was like the their big hike. Yeah. Like the, yeah. Like, and these, these were professional. I mean, not like professional, professional, but they weren't like, this there wasn't was their first time. one professional timer with them. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, this wasn't their first rodeo. They knew what they were doing and they're hiking. Something bizarre happens at their camp. Um, they, their bodies were found like after the snow melted and it was just this horrendous thing and nobody knows precisely what happened. But it was brutal, and none of the evidence matches up with any of the story. And I've always been really fascinated about it, and I've never heard of anyone actually going there and spending time there. And probably for good reason, let's be honest about that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've always been curious about the Dietlov Pass and that spot in Hungary. Between the two of them, I'd probably go with the spot in Hungary, I think, just because uh, it's more climate-controlled. It's not freezing. <laughs> it's not russian just have demons i mean it's close in romania like it's kind of old ussr or no romania wasn't part of ussr but no it's it's all i think slavic technically but um, yeah yeah that one just seems more paranormal creepy whereas the mm-hmm. dietlov pass is just more mysterious and what the hell happened here exactly yeah so yeah i think i think those are the two i you know the the mystery spot is cool it's a lot of fun um i will say there's very similar things that happen at knott's berry farm are <laughs> <laughs> you saying there's hydraulics involved <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, there's a lot of magic tricks involved i'll say that mm-hmm. so yeah um but no it, yeah it's just, i feel like because I, I don't know we've done some weird creepy stuff we've explored a lot of like the local creepy stuff and you know my house is pretty creepy my grandma's house is really creepy like very creepy I'm, i've been you know in enough houses or like areas where i was like oh this is really creepy like something's gonna happen i wanted to just go somewhere where i was like outside and a little more i don't know open and weird you know we can make a trip of it we can go to the uh shadow people in the mountains that's and true it, and then just shoot up there and go to the coast and go to santa cruz yeah and then and then shoot back down so if you want us to go do that check out the mystery yeah. spot check out the uh the shadow people in the mountains again let us know i think we're totally down for this so yeah, hell yeah that'd be fun that'd be a nice little trip now that the pandemic's winding down yeah we can actually go out and see things and people yeah oh no people yeah i was just thinking about that like oh (laughs) (laughs) i live by a a park and uh today the park was completely full of like 
low riders, oh. hot rods, people barbecuing. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it was kind of cool. And then I'm like, there's so many of them. <laughs> what is this? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think that answered Anonymous's question. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Hopefully it was satisfactory in what they were looking for. Yeah. And if you, if there's a place you want to go check out, let us know. Yeah, for sure. Well, Please. definitely at the very least, we will send you there. I'm lying. We will not send you there. <laughs> but we, not yet. <laughs> we can talk about it on the, the air. No, we could do a whole show about it. So yeah, heck yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Let us know where you want to go. Yeah. All right. Now that that is done, I believe uh, you are up, sir. All right. So for today's episode, I'm continuing my streak of actually knowing what I want to cover a couple of days in advance, which is awesome. And this week, it's thanks to my topic last week. Uh, and I know I can hear some of you already saying like, but Tyler, what the heck does the Mothman have to do with Chernobyl? Well, dear listener, I'll get into the specifics later. But <laughs> one of the main things is the, the Mothman is often seen as a harbinger of doom or something terrible happening very soon. And in 1986, there were reports of people seeing what they thought was a bird with red eyes the days leading up to the Chernobyl disaster. So halfway through my script last week, I was like, hey, I know what I'm doing next week. This is easy. So um, without further ado, who or what is the Mothman? Well, the Mothman is a cryptid that hails from the wonderful state of West Virginia. And for those of you unfamiliar with what a cryptid is, it's basically like an animalistic type urban legend where there's a lot of sightings and a lot of evidence, but it can't really be tangibly like foot down. Like this is for sure 100% a thing. And with that being said, I think now is probably a good time to break out our good old organic free range bearded Himalayan sea salt so that we can take this whole kind of story with a grain of salt. The first reported sighting of the Mothman was in Point Pleasant, West Virginia in late 1966. On November 12th, five grave diggers witnessed what they claimed was a quote, man-like figure perched high in a tree looking down on them. When one of the men noticed it and told the rest of the group, the creature flew down and over their heads. Three days later, on November 15th, a pair of couples, Roger and Linda Scarberry, and Steve and Mary Mallet, claimed that they had an encounter with a strange creature. The couples claimed that they were driving outside a pound near an old World War II ammunition depot nicknamed TNT when they noticed a large creature draped in black standing near the depot. When they drove closer, the creature took flight over the car before landing once again. Steve Mallet later told the local newspaper that the creature, quote, wasn't like anything you'd see on the TV or in a monster movie, and claimed that they drove away because they were all scared, but returned to see if the creature was still there. Quote, we went downtown, we turned around, and we went back, and there it was again. It seemed to be waiting on us. They all claimed that the creature had red glowing eyes and wings that spanned roughly 10 feet. Unlike the five grave diggers, this incident was immediately reported to police who took their statement and went out to the ammunition site to investigate, but found nothing. The following day, the Point Pleasant Register published a news article about the couple's story with the headline, Couple See Man-Sized Bird, Creature, Something. A few days after the article was published, more sightings began to pop up. Two volunteer firefighters claimed that they, they saw what they called a, quote, large bird with red eyes that followed them around before flying off. Another man, Mr. Newell Partridge, claimed to encounter a large man-sized bird in a nearby field 
and when he shone his flashlight at it, the eyes glowed red and were like, quote, bicycle reflectors. Mr. Partridge also claimed that his television was making a strange buzzing noise and his dog disappeared, to which he blamed both on this mysterious creature. The town was quickly becoming paranoid and report after report began to pop up. The locals began to lock their doors at night and started to patrol the area near the ammunition site, trying to locate strange creatures since majority of the sightings came from the depot. Around the same time, a very popular TV show was fascinating the country, and you may have heard of a particularly wealthy crime fighter by the name of Batman. Well, when trying to think of a name for the strange creature, a nearby anonymous copy editor for an Ohio newspaper allegedly wanted to cash in on the Batman craze and named the mysterious creature the Mothman. Now, I'm not one to question the naming choices of a copy editor, but based on an entire town being terrified, and if I was living in this town, I would be pretty thoroughly pissed off if someone named a big scary monster after a freaking moth. Uh, I also feel like I would just get a giant lantern and place it on a pole in a field and just wait for the moth to come and then shoot it, and then I'd be a super awesome town hero. But Just get a I giant guess. bug light. Right? As I say, just get a big zapper. I'm like, I win. Game over. Anywho, <laughs> so the newly christened Mothman was seen over and over again with the town becoming more and more on edge. What is stranger is that most people who claim to see the Mothman reported feeling very uneasy after the encounter and often feeling an overwhelming sense of dread. Citizens reported coming down with serious illnesses and having freak accidents after witnessing the Mothman. With pressure mounting to identify the Mothman, theories on its origin began to run wild. Originally, it was thought to be an alien sent to Earth to warn us of things to come. Others said, no, 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 it's a government experiment that went horribly wrong at a nearby nuclear facility. And this theory says the experiment escaped, fled to the nearby ammunition depot for shelter, and started to terrorize the town. Scientists came in with their big notepads and their books, and they claimed it was an animal of some sort, and everyone just needed to calm the fuck down. No one could really agree on what the Mothman was, but the one thing they could agree on was that something was out there. Sightings began to pile up so much that the local authorities had a dedicated task force just to field Mothman sightings. For almost two years, sightings were coming in monthly. Then in December of 1967, almost all of the sightings stopped. Why the sightings stopped exactly is unknown, but we do know that on December 15, 1967, there was a terrible accident that occurred on the Silver Bridge which spanned the Ohio River outside of Point Pleasant. On that fateful day, the bridge collapsed during heavy rush hour traffic, killing 46 people, two of which the bodies were never recovered. To make things even weirder, there were many reports the day before and the day of the accident of a sighting of a large, dark creature flying around. Multiple witnesses claimed to have seen the large, dark creature with red glowing eyes flying above the bridge or perched in the trees nearby. After this tragic event, the, the amount of Mothman sightings fell pretty drastically. Sure, there was a few sprinkled here and there, but none of them really had a lot of credence. Then, in 1975, a writer named John Keel wrote a book called The Mothman Prophecies, which used the sighting of the Mothman near the bridge prior to the collapse as proof that the Mothman was real and was a bad omen. This, of course, began a whole new rash of sightings and people claiming to have been attacked by the Mothman while in their cars late at night. Most of these sightings were chalked up to drunk teenagers and the police didn't investigate a whole lot of them. The Mothman 
then seemed to go into hibernation because there weren't really any reportings of him for more than a decade. As I talked in last week's episode, in 1986, the Chernobyl nuclear power plant suffered a catastrophic accident when one of the re reactors failed. However, days prior to the reactor, the reactor failing, numerous local residents in the town of Pripyat claimed to see a large black winged creature hovering over the plant. Workers at the plant also claimed to have seen a large flying black creature with red eyes. And what was weird is they had trouble sleeping for a couple nights after seeing the creature because they were plagued by vivid nightmares. The creature would become known as the Black Bird of Chernobyl, but many believe it's the Mothman. Back here in America, shortly after the 9-11 attacks, many witnesses claimed to have seen a large black crane-like bird or flying creature over and around the towers before the attack. Some said it looked exactly like a black crane, while others said it was more man-shaped. Still others claimed that they saw the face of a creature with red eyes in the smoke of the flames after the attack. Some six years later, on August 1st, 2007, another bridge collapsed, this time in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Very similar to the Silver Bridge, this collapse happened during a rush hour traffic when the bridge was full of cars. 13 people were killed and almost 145 others were injured. And just like the other crash, there were multiple reports of people seeing a large black flying creature around the bridge upwards of a month prior to the collapse. Two years after the collapse, people began seeing a strange creature in La Junta, Chihuahua in Mexico. This was during the, the swine flu outbreak that was all the rage back in 2009. Residents claimed that they saw a creature that was described as being tall, dark, thin, with two large wings and bloodshot eyes. One young girl even claimed that the creature chased her for 15 minutes before giving up. Two other girls, Annabelle Mendez and Viviana Ledesma, claimed they heard something in an apple orchard near a cemetery. When they went to investigate, they saw a large black creature with red eyes, but they fled before it noticed them. Oddly enough, this small town had been relatively unimpacted by the swine flu, but days after these sightings, the number of cases skyrocketed. Now, conspiracy theorists, as well as Mothman enthusiasts, point to these incidents and more as evidence of the Mothman being real. The legend of the Mothman grew even larger in 2002, when the book by John Keel was turned into a movie starring Richard Gere. The movie The Mothman Prophecies grossed a little more than $55 million to theater, but was pretty universally canned by critics. It was a fairly faithful rendition of the book and brought a new generation to the Mothman legends and became a cult hit. Today, if you Google Mothman, chances are half the sites you come across are going to be online boutiques selling some kind of merchandise related to the Mothman. In the city of Point Pleasant, where the, the sightings first started, there's now a museum dedicated to it. They also erected a metallic statue of the Mothman in the town square in 2003, and they have an annual Mothman festival celebrating the town legend. You can find almost anything with some sort of caricature of the Mothman on it. Hell, one of my coworkers has a bumper sticker on her car that says, Mothman ate my whole ass at Denny's. It makes no sense, but this is the type of following the Mothman commands. And just this past month in March, <laughs> a petition to have Mothman statues replace the Confederate statues that are being torn down in the South has over 5,000 signatures already. I bring up these figures. I tell you about the legend of Mothman because despite all this, despite all the festivals, the sightings, the tourism to the town, the following that the Mothman holds now, no one really knows what the hell it is. The diehards claim Mothman is a supernatural being sent to us to warn us of danger. Others feel that Mothman isn't so much a harbinger, but rather shows up in order to cause chaos. 
1999, a team of ufologists, ufologists, however you pronounce that word, in Moscow claimed to have sighted Mothman flying around apartment buildings. They claimed that this was the cause of a series of deadly bombings that rocked the apartment buildings a day later. More rationally, scientists claim to have a pretty fairly simple explanation for what the Mothman is. They claim that the large bird-like creature is, in fact, a bird. They say the witnesses are either seeing a type of large barn owl or a large crane called the sandhill crane. Barn owls, very typically, they can see at night, so their eyes glow, and they have large wingspans. The sandhill crane has a wingspan upwards of seven to eight feet and have very large red circles around their eyes. Because of unique migration patterns, individuals not really well versed in avian species wouldn't recognize the bird right away in its natural, away from its natural habitat and may suspect something evil. In 2016, a man photographed what he claimed to be the Mothman flying, which we'll, I'll try to attach the photo to that to our social media so you can see what he captured. But scientists say that they think it's either an owl or another large bird with a snake or some sort of animal in its talons. And also of note, in 2020, many witnesses have seen a flying creature that they claim to be the Mothman, which is now, now in Chicago, Illinois. Again, enthusiasts point to this. They say, hey, Mothman found a new home. He's got a new territory. He's hanging out in Chicago. While scientists are still just saying, hey, this is kind of a mass hysteria thing. Mothman's taking a life of its own. It's not real. So what do you guys think, bearded friends? Is the Mothman a real being sent to us to warn danger? Or is he more of a Thanos-like creature sent to cause terrible accidents to keep the balance? Or maybe are we just seeing large birds and using the sighting to help us understand tragedies and help us cope with the trauma? You tell us. Send us a message. Let us know. If you think you've seen the Mothman, tell us, and we'll come out and visit and investigate. And that, my bearded friends, is the story of the Mothman. Awesome, man. And... Uh, I can definitely say I'm pretty sure it's not an owl. Yeah, I definitely, I don't think it's an owl either. Like looking at like the owls aren't that, the wingspan, yes. The tall, the man-like feature, definitely not. No, and I've seen like, the, the, there's one particular owl that's like giant. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's, no, it's a bat. There's this bat that they try to say is a, the Mothman as well. It's a, like a three or four foot bat. Mm -hmm. But that's three or four feet. Like it's not. Exactly, yeah, it's not a huge dude with wings. Yeah, so, like if they said, "Oh, it's, it's a child-like figure," totally could be the bat. Totally. Yeah, like not a you know six seven foot tall person that looks like a band. Like no, that's no, not a bat. No way. It, it doesn't make sense. And I've always felt, and I have no evidence. This is just a hunch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the the Mothman is causing it or warning about things i think it senses that the energy is about to go off mm -hmm. and it gets drawn to that energy i have no evidence that's complete <laughs> crap and i know it but that's just my theory that sits well with me mm -hmm. no I, I i actually like that i've heard i've heard similar stuff to that like where it's like it's drawn to the chaotic energy whatever like when tragedies are going to happen like something gives off like the auras and all that magic crystal stuff that i don't really believe in but right. um it's kind of like earthquakes before an earthquake exactly, happened yeah. there's the earth lights mm -hmm. which is like a super rare phenomenon but it's it's real it's so when an yeah. earthquake is about to something happen, happens yeah there's like this energy in the air and it actually turns into these giant flying balls it's really bizarre and yeah uh, what if it's so yeah it totally it totally could be something yeah like it's drawn to whatever that energy is and 
whether it's a result of some you know terrible nuclear accident or it's an alien coming up like hey what's up guys um yeah that, that's interesting that's a good that's a cool theory i like that yeah um i don't really know what to believe you know i i think it could not necessarily the mass hysteria because i don't like that that's a cop-out to just say people are crazy when they get together but um you know when there's trauma and like terrible things happen like that makes sense i get that but then it's also you know the couples that saw it in the beginning and like the, the guys dig, digging the graves like what trauma they didn't have a tragic event in that moment to see it you know what i mean like something was there they saw something and then all these like it, it, you know the harbinger stuff came after the fact yeah so there's definitely i think there's something out there we should go to west virginia and find out uh yeah i'm totally down uh i think that'd be a fun trip and you know i, I really want a mothman t-shirt right yeah there's cool stuff yeah i don't think i want a bumper sticker on my car that says mothman ate my ass but <laughs> i would <laughs> i would love a you know a t-shirt or a, a coffee cup that i don't drink coffee out of just something you know yeah <laughs> give me tchotchkes yeah exactly i love tchotchkes <laughs> give me a pen i'll put a pen on <laughs> Uh, so if somebody wanted to write in and tell us some of their mothman stories or just wanted to say hello where and how can they do that they can do that with any of our social medias our instagram is at bearded things pod our facebook is facebook.com slash bearded things we have a cool facebook group in on facebook it's called the bearded things bearded friends group uh lots of fun discussions and you know memes and videos and theories get posted on there so please 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 join that if you're listening to it uh, we also have a YouTube, which is at Bearded Things Pod, and a Twitter, which is at Bearded Things. We also have a website you can go to. There's a contact us page there. You can fill it out. The website is beardedthings.com. And we have an email, which is contact us at beardedthings.com. Awesome. So that was a lot of fun this week. Very creepy stuff. Being, and now I'm, I want to go watch the Richard Gere Mockman. Right. Movie. <laughs> Actually, I actually love that movie. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. yeah, it did the trick. It scared the crap out of me. So, <laughs> so that should do it for us this week. We will talk to you guys next week. Bye.